did get to a point where I realized I was going to lose one of three things, my license, my marriage, or maybe my life. And that was really the wake up call that I needed to say, it's not worth it. I need to figure out uh, a different way to go forward. Welcome to a different practice. I'm your host, Lauren Lester, and I'm obsessed with all things business, well-being, and optimizing the practice of law for solo and small firm lawyers. I started my solo practice right out of law school, built it from the ground up, and now work four days a week while earning well over six figures. I'm here to share tangible, concrete tips and resources for ditching the legal profession's antiquated approach and building a law practice that optimizes growth and enjoyment. Think of this as grabbing coffee with your work bestie mixed with all the stuff they didn't teach you in law school about how to run a business. Pull up a seat, grab a cup, and get ready to be encouraged and challenged. This is a different practice. Today I'm talking with one of my favorite people, truly. When Jess and I first started putting together the episodes for this podcast, I immediately knew who I wanted the first guest to be. Ryan Payton is the director of the Colorado Attorney Mentoring Program, affectionately called CAMP, and of Legal Entrepreneurs for Justice, which are both lawyer professional development programs of the Colorado Supreme Court. A former litigator and a seasoned consultant and advocate on professionalism, diversity, and equity in the legal field, Ryan focuses their practice on civil litigation with an emphasis on LGBTQ family and civil rights. Given their amazing work, it's no surprise that Ryan has been consistently recognized for their legal practice, most recently earning the American Bar Association's Rosner & Rosner Young Lawyer Professionalism Award and the IDEA Leader in the Community Award from the Center on Colfax. Ryan sits on the boards of several Colorado nonprofit legal organizations and serves as the 2022 president of the Colorado Bar Association. They are a very busy person. Ryan earned their law degree from the University of St. Thomas Law School and holds an LLM and undergraduate degree from the University of Denver. From the moment I met Ryan, it felt like we were kindred spirits. Ryan is an introvert like me, and as they mentioned in our conversation, an accidental lawyer. Since I started practicing, Ryan has been a lighthouse for me, flashing their light to remind me to show up as I am, not as how the profession wants me to be. That's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation today about the importance of authenticity and integrity in the legal profession. We all aren't and can't be one type of lawyer that looks, acts, and shows up in a singular way. I hope you find our conversation as affirming and inspirational as I did. Let's get into it. All right. I am super excited for our episode today. First off, we have one of my honestly favorite people um, that I have ever met in the profession thus far, Ryan Payton with us. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. So one of the things among the many things that I respect and admire and just love about you is that you show up as who you are. I've always seen that um, with you, but I know that that's been a journey to get to that point. So I'm really um, excited about our conversation today to talk through what that looks like, um, how folks can do it better, because I think in the profession, there is this kind of one-size-fits-all molds that a lot of us learn in law school that can rub up against who we are personally. I know I never thought I would be a lawyer because I didn't feel like I 
looked like or acted like or had the personality like the lawyers I saw. So I can't imagine that I'm the only one who's ever felt that way. I know you certainly have felt that way as well. So I want to start with just getting some definitions out there and and talking to folks about, you know, when we say coming to the space or showing up as your authentic self, you know, what does that mean exactly, your authentic self? Yeah, it's a really great question because I, I think, as any good lawyer would say, it depends. It depends on the person and uh, what authenticity means to them. And like you said, it's very much a journey. And I don't think anybody ever really gets to a point where they are like, whew, I'm, I'm here, I'm in my authentic self, and that never changes. I think every day is a battle and a journey to live your authentic self in the profession. So I say that just so folks don't feel like they now have to meet some ideal I have about what authentic means in the profession, but to talk about sort of how I define it, really it's about being in integrity. And and so what does that mean? Being in integrity with uh, the work that you're doing, the people that you're working with, the way that you're speaking, the way that you're conveying yourself, even down to how you dress. I mean, I will say as a, as a queer person, it took me a long time to even start wearing ties in the profession because I felt like that's not what people did. And so even how you dress and, and show up physically in, in your in your space is an element of integrity. So when I think about authenticity, it's really, really tied into that integrity. Can you wake up every morning or walk into any situation and say, I am in integrity with who I am in this moment, in this hour, in this day, in this year? And that's why it really is such a journey and a battle every day to be in, in, in that space of integrity. And I love that because I think where the sort of authentic self, which has kind of become a buzzword in a lot of ways now, I think there's a challenge to it because some folks seem to internalize it as, well, I can just act however I want without consequence to anyone else or consideration of anyone else because I'm being authentic. And I like your lens of it as it's coming to it with integrity and almost a level of consistency, like showing up every day, being intentional about that. So it's not a... I get to do whatever I want because I'm being authentic. It's really focusing more on the integrity element of it, um, which I think is really helpful to frame it. So I'm I'm curious if you can share with us sort of your journey up to this point um, and what it's looked like as you came into the perfection and sort of had that tension between what maybe you thought you were supposed to do or being told what, how you were supposed to show up and how that was misaligned with your integrity. Absolutely. So I, I openly call myself an accidental lawyer, even though a lot of my job now requires me to, to be the face of the profession in some ways. It's kind of ironic, honestly, um, that I never meant to be here. And so that's really where that journey started is, is sort of accidentally coming into the profession. Uh, so I wanted to be an FBI agent. So I went to law school thinking that that would help me do that work. And it's really hard to become an FBI agent. So um, when that didn't work out, well, I had my law degree to fall back on, which is how I really ended up, I think, in a more traditional role in the profession. And everyone had told me in law school that I was really good at litigation, that that's what I should do. Uh, and I thought, okay, well, if that's what you think I'm good at, then I guess that's what I'll do. So I went into litigation right out of law school, and I knew pretty quickly that I did not love it. Kudos to all the litigators out there. It's a tough job, um, but I found it to be somewhat soul-crushing. And it was really hard to 
um, to, to transition out of that space because everyone told me I was good at it. My clients were happy. I was providing for my family. Other than this internal sense of disalignment or misalignment that I felt, there was no other indication that I shouldn't be doing that work. And so I think that's why I got stuck there for so long because it, it really, it, it seems silly to walk away from something that I was good at and getting a lot of great feedback about, and that was paying the bills and, and, and doing what I needed it to do. But I felt this real sense of misalignment back to that integrity. It felt like I was out of integrity every time that I walked into a courtroom or did trial prep or whatever it was. And so that's when I started to consider, well, what's going to happen here? Because that that misalignment after a while became depression, became anxiety, became uh, it got got to a place where it really did come down to, well, I can either stay here and burn out and be depressed or I can leave the profession entirely. And that didn't seem right either because I had worked hard to be here and I wanted to be here to some extent. So I started to have to think about, well, if I'm going to stay in the profession, if I'm going to be in integrity, what does that look like? And that's when I started to realize, at least for, for me, that there are different people in the profession. There are the practitioners who do great work for the public and for their clients. And then there are the people who take care of the profession and take care of the people in it. And once I kind of figured that out, I had this sort of aha moment of, oh, that's what integrity is for me. I want to be a caretaker. That's my natural inclination. I, I've lived through, I've seen the pain points of this profession. Maybe I have something to contribute there. And once I was able to find a little more integrity in that work, well, you know, the rest is history. And I've been doing that now for almost eight years. And, uh, you know, I've never felt better as as a professional and, and as a lawyer. And I'm still a lawyer. I still have a license and I still do my CLEs and very much identify as part of the legal profession, identify as a lawyer. But I am now more in integrity with the work that I'm doing, the people that I get to do that work with, and just my own sense of, of being able to show up every day as as me. And I like that thread in there to to tug on it a little bit of time when we truly are misaligned is not going to naturally fix things. I feel like, you know, I struggled with, okay, well, well, it's just my first year. So maybe that's why it feels a little bit off. Okay, well, maybe it's the second year and, you know, colleagues are telling you it takes, you know, five years to kind of get your feet under you or whatever. And in that kind of idea that time will not fix it, if you truly are misaligned, it's going to result, like you said, it's just going to get worse. It could lead to depression, anxiety, you know, substance abuse. I mean, it's it's going to be there until it is identified and dealt with. So I think that's a good piece that if someone is out there listening, thinking, oh, well, it's it's just it's just a time issue that it may not be. For some folks, it may be, but if it persists, that it definitely is something to to address. And, and I'm curious how and when you think the traditional persona, sort of narrative, model, whatever you want to call it, of a lawyer, which to be honest is probably litigation, white, male, typically older, right? Where did that persona come from? And how are folks coming into the profession now who don't maybe make check any of those boxes? How is it affecting them to see that be the only really, from my experience in law school, the only picture. This is this is what it looks like when you when you get out. This is what you should fit into. You know, how does that affect folks who don't check any of those boxes? 
Yeah, I think, you know, well, I mean, my best guess of to where that came from is really that's how law started. I mean, to be a lawyer uh, before there was a bar exam, before there were traditional law schools, it was just apprenticeship. And the only people who had access to that amount of time and in, in, in resource were white men. Um, you know, when you think back into colonialist kind of times, that's that's where that came from. And so I think that just continued to perpetuate itself. Uh, over over the hundreds of years and has been baked in uh, to the profession over time. But I think you're absolutely right. Clearly, that's not where we live today. And so many people come to this profession not fitting that mold. Uh, and I think it has a huge detrimental effect. Representation matters. When you can't see people around you who look like you or you can't relate to people because they have a similar lived experience, when you always feel like you're on the outside of something looking in, it's hard to cultivate that feeling of belonging. And that happens at the macro level in the profession overall, and it happens in the micro level in, in legal organizations. And I don't think that's a surprise really to anybody. I mean, that's why we have such issues in our profession around inclusion and equity and well-being is because of these elements of belonging. If you don't fit the mold, whatever the mold may be, over time, that's going to have a significant, at least mental health impact, if not physical impact on folks. Because as we know from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that element of belonging is critical to, to success you know, as a human being. And so we need to feel that belonging. And that comes from believing that we have a place in the profession and being in community with people in the profession who are like us. And I want to go back to what you were saying about this idea of time and how, you know, I think there's so many um, constructs in our profession or forces in our profession that try to keep us stuck in that inauthenticity because they don't, it doesn't want us to recognize that, oh, if I pick my head up and look around, nobody here looks like me. Um, and so it keeps us stuck in sort of this productivity, working through, just give it time, pull yourself up by your bootstraps or or get out kind of mentality that just keeps people stuck because no one wants to be a quitter um, and no one wants to talk about what I think a lot of people are feeling, which is, oh, who are my people and where do I find them? When did you feel most stuck for anyone who maybe is in that same place and like having kind of a light post would be really helpful? And what did you do when you had that moment? Like, was it a singular moment of an epiphany or was it it's something that had built up? And when you got to that point, what did you do? I mean, how does someone turn a corner or, or make a change when they feel stuck? Yeah, in my case, it was definitely a progressive uh, journey. You know, I, I tried to change a little bit of my practice. I thought, well, maybe if I just stopped doing cases that involved kiddos, that would make me feel better because I didn't want to deal with parental rights. That was, I didn't want to have that anxiety and that stress. So I stopped doing that and thought, all right, maybe I'll feel better. No, that didn't really work. And I thought, okay, well, maybe if I, maybe I should just get a certificate or an expertise in valuation. And, and then just focus on numbers and valuation and then I'll feel better. No, that didn't work. And, but it did get to a point where there was sort of a, a confluence of a number of things. One, I found myself making questionable ethical decisions. I mean, I definitely didn't violate the rules of professional conduct, but certainly found myself in the gray area sometimes. Uh, I found myself drinking a lot uh, to self-medicate and to deal with that anxiety. 
And I found myself uh, really distancing from the people that were in my life who cared about me, both personal and professional. And it get, did get to a point where I realized I was going to lose one of three things, my license, my marriage, or maybe my life. And that was really the wake up call that I needed to say, it's not worth it. I need to figure out uh, a different way to go forward. And if someone feels they're close to that, maybe is at that point, what do you do? I mean, I I felt stuck for a long time when I got to sort of that breaking point of like, yeah, should I just change practice area? Should I just maybe do it a little bit differently? And I felt for several months, like I know something needs to change, but what do I do? And like you said, there's a sort of keep your head down. Nobody talks about it. It's just you who's going through this. So I really didn't feel like I could reach out or there was a resource. So if someone is listening in that kind of similar position, what did you do? What would you recommend to someone who's like, you know, I really need to make a change. I feel like I'm misaligned right now, but I have no idea where to start to even begin to change that. Such a personal journey and a personal decision for everybody. I think I got to a point of just being willing to to fail. Um, I, I felt like I was trying to live in this perfectionism dynamic that I had created for myself. And I was failing. I just didn't realize I was failing. I just wasn't failing in a way where people were would look at you and say, you're failing. And so I it, it didn't occur to me that I was already failing. And so when I got to a point of discomfort with, well, this may not work, but I need to do something different. That I think was maybe the push that I needed. The other thing is I, I did lean into people who knew me professionally. And I said, what am I good at? When you see my face light up, what are we doing? What are we talking about? And getting some of that outside perspective was really helpful. And I talked to people that weren't necessarily other lawyers, just people that I knew in the community and other ways that I was engaging in the community. I, I, I'd serve on a lot of boards. And so I knew, you know, board colleagues or, um, you know, executive directors that I had worked with. And, and I just asked the question, you know, what, what am I good at? Where do you see me thriving? And in having some of that feedback helped me to start to get an idea of, oh, there is something else for me. I just need to figure out how to tap into that. I love that because when you're in it, it can be mm -hmm. really hard to have that perspective of like, I'm in the trees, I need to see the forest. And I love that, like, just going to folks around you who you trust and have a safe connection with to say, yeah, when am I most happy? When do you see me? And starting to just sort of write those notes down and trying to piece those dots together to go, oh, there's a there's a common thread here. Like, maybe I should explore this a little more is a great way to start when you feel like I'm so far in it. I, I It's all dark right now around me. I can't see any light. What do you think would happen to the profession as a whole and, ob and obviously to individuals if we don't kind of turn this corner and make this change and be more inclusive, be more diverse, be more accepting of everyone for who they are as they show up? Can we survive the way that we're going? Yeah, and, and I think it is one of those change or die situations. Of course, there will always be a need for lawyers. Uh, there will always be a legal profession. I think the question is, is it a profession that we want to be a part of? And I think that's a new question for lawyers because, again, to your thoughts on sort of the history of all of this, it's always been this notion of, shouldn't you be so lucky to be here? You know, don't throw away this privilege. Don't ask questions. Keep your head down because you're just you're just lucky that you're even here in the first place. So to even ask the question of, well, how do we create a profession where people are not only just here, but they're thriving? And what 
what does thriving look like in the profession for folks? And I'm hopeful that from a generational perspective that things are shifting. Uh, I think the generations who were coming up behind us are going to demand something different. And as a result, the profession is going to have to shift. If you had told me five years ago that we would be at a time where we would be working remotely as lawyers, doing hearings remotely, I would have said you're absolutely bananas because there was no way the profession was even going in that direction until the pandemic forced us into it. And so Unfortunately, I think to some extent, the profession only changes when it's forced to do so. But I think those forces are getting stronger and getting louder, and we're moving in that direction. And again, not only for the health and well-being of the lawyers, but for the benefit of the clients we serve. I mean, we're all here to serve the public, and we can only do that when we're at our best, when we're thriving. And so at the end of the day, it's a win-win if everybody is thriving because the clients and the public get better representation and better results and people have a have a stronger feeling of access to justice and integrity in the in the justice system. Absolutely. And I think I think it's really it gives me hope that it feels like there are forces that are pushing the change. It's slow. We are a slow moving, weary to change profession, but it does give me hope seeing, you know, new attorneys come in and even, you know, ones who have been here for a long time going, you know what, I've, I've trudged through this and I, I think there needs to be a change. There's not as much of that. I went through it. You went through it sort of this hazing, like we're not going to change anything. I think that folks are becoming more open, which which gives me some hope. And I'm curious on an individual level, you know, what do you do either consistently or if you have a habit for it or a practice or just to check in to make sure, you know, am I still being aligned with my integrity? Because life happens. And, you know, I know you in particular are moving a million miles an hour and it's very easy to let the busyness cloud you know, am I checking in? Am I just sort of being washed with the current? Um, so is there something that you do to just sort of make sure you check in with yourself and, and continue towards that active progression and that process of being aligned with who you are? It's a great question because, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought consciously about it. But then when I did think about it, there are some things that I do pretty routinely. I still have conversations with people about what I'm good at. And when people see me you know, lit up and at my best because it's it's still very much informs uh, new projects I take on or new roles that I take on in the community. So that's one of my favorite conversations to have with with colleagues or with mentors of mine. I certainly have the privilege of therapy. That is definitely a helpful yes, element in all there. of this. Agreed. <laughs> and one of the things uh, you know that uh, I think that I've become comfortable with is. I, I'm a, I'm a workaholic. I work is my thing. And I thought when I, when I left traditional practice, that that would mean leaving some of the, um, the parts of my identity that are about productivity and execution. And I realized that I don't have to, I can hang on to some of those things for better or for worse. I'm not saying that that's, you know, a wonderful thing, but I didn't have to let go of everything. It wasn't like a huge right turn. I could keep the parts of me that were getting that, that where I was getting that positive feedback. And that came from productivity and execution and, and, um, you know, being able to, 
tackle a number of projects at the same time. Like those are skill sets to some extent that have served me well and that continue to serve me well just doing different work. So I think that's another way that I sort of keep checking in with myself is, you know, where do I want to hang on to the things that I think actually make me successful in the work that I do and making sure that those are still there as I'm doing different work. And the last thing, and it's really simple, um, but I do it all the time and in a number of different ways, but I answer the question for myself, what do you do? Uh, and I ask that of myself and I, and I tell my, my son, my son is 11. And so I have to tell him in 11 year old terms what I do. And so even just articulating that out loud to, to me, to my son, you know, in a journal to people who I don't know, helps keep me accountable for doing what it is that I want to be doing, giving me that, that why accountability. Uh, and that's been really helpful. It comes down to a, a communication almost in a way to connect of like, can you create a clear, concise sort of almost tagline for yourself that is really direct? It's not sort of vague and you can't get your arms around it. But when you get it down to something you can kind of hold in your hand, that not only helps us make sure we're aligned with that and like, is that what I'm doing? But certainly helps others connect with that as well. And for folks who are like, yeah, that I'm, I feel the same way, you know, continue to establish those connections that we need um, in the profession so we can all kind of support each other and make sure that when someone does feel misaligned, that they have someone to say, hey, okay, hey, this is where I really see your face light up. Like, let, let's, you know, tackle this together and be supportive of each other and inclusive of each other. So I think that that's super helpful. And I liked your comments about appreciating the traits that we have that have that have served us right like I am very much a perfectionist and when it goes to the extreme it can cause anxiety and it can be unhealthy but there's also a lot of benefits that it means I'm super detail oriented and I want to do a good job for my clients so I like that you said you know I'm not going to throw away these parts of myself I'm going to use them when they're beneficial but also recognize that I'm not going to take them to the extreme where they start to become harmful and that they're going against your success um so I'm curious right now professionally how are you defining success yeah, and I thought long and hard about this one because I knew you were going to ask me. And I will I will be very honest, it's still hard for me to answer that question because I I still am very much informed by what other people think success is. But I'll tell you, I I got an email from somebody the other day uh, who just wanted to tell me thanks for all the good you do in the world. And not that getting an email like that is the definition of success, but I think for me, it's about having impact and influence on other people that they feel like they are successful or they feel like they're thriving That because I'm either creating or holding a space for that to happen or contributing uh, to their professional growth or creating programming. But where someone walks away and thinks, I feel successful, then that makes me feel like I'm successful as well. I just really want to do good in the world and leave it, leave this profession better than I found it. And so that's my, my ultimate definition of success is when I am retired or somewhere <laughs> in another universe that I've left this profession better than it was when I entered it. 
Well, I I have no doubt you have already done that and will continue to do that, both for the profession and just for me personally. Like I said, you are still one of my favorite people in the profession, and I just appreciate how you show up as yourself and encourage others to do so. I know it is not easy. I mean, personally, it's not easy. You do can be met with resistance or negativity. So I appreciate that you are a model for all of us. Thank you for all of the work you do. I will reiterate the email and send you a virtual one now. We can't thank you enough and love having you on here today. Well, the feeling is mutual and everything that you're doing for the for the practice and for the profession is just incredible and so needed. And I hope that people are listening and engaging and thinking about this for themselves because it's possible. And there are so many people like you and, and me and others who want to support them in that journey. And we're here for you. Yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you, Ryan. My pleasure. There were so many nuggets Ryan dropped during our conversation. I don't even know where to start. Do you love how honest and real they are? It's not easy to say, everyone told me I was good at this thing and externally it looked like I was really successful, but internally I hated it. It's scary to walk away from something that is paying the bills and receiving praise, but is so incredibly necessary when it's misaligned from who you are. Ryan's practice of asking others when it is that they light up is such a great way to see the forest for the trees and to begin to find patterns that can lead us to work that is aligned with who we are. And we all need a tagline. I mean, come on. That was brilliant on so many levels. Having a clear, concise definition of what we do is something we can use to check in with ourselves to make sure we're in integrity. I think that's going to be my purposeful next step after this episode. Write down my tagline and post it on my desk so I can see it every day and check in with myself. Authenticity is a practice we need to do consistently. It's hard work for sure, but it's essential to our health and the health of the profession as a whole. Let's continue to support, encourage, and accept each other for who we are when we feel aligned with our integrity. Remember, representation matters and you belong here. Thanks for listening. Until next time. I'm over here giving you a virtual high five because you've just finished another episode of A Different Practice. For more from this episode, head over to adifferentpractice.com slash podcast for show notes and links to resources. If you found this episode helpful, let me know by leaving a rating wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you're looking for even more practical tools to optimize your law practice for growth and enjoyment, be sure to sign up for our monthly newsletter. The link is waiting for you at a differentpractice.com slash subscribe. I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, keep building a different practice.